Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. Can we jump to Jeremiah 3, 14 to 18? Are you with me? Smile? Okay, very good. It says, return your faithless children. This is the Lord's declaration for I am your master. I will take you one from a city and two from a family. I will bring you to Zion and I will give you shepherds who are loyal to me and they will shepherd you with knowledge and skill. And when you multiply and increase in the land, in those days, this is the Lord's declaration, no one will say again the ark of the, the Lord's covenant. It will never come to mind. No one will remember or miss it. Another one will not be made. At the time, Jerusalem will be called the Lord's throne, and all the nations will be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord and Jerusalem. And they will cease to follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts, and in those days the house of Judah will join with the house of Israel, and they will come together from the land and the north, um, of, of the north to the land I have given your ancestors to inherit. I want to look in some aspects of this verse, where, where it says right at the beginning, I am your master. The Hebrew word that is used there can actually also be translated your Lord or your husband. I love that in the same way what we consider to be a master, the leadership aspect that comes to it also carries a deep understanding of love biblically. I love that the way the Lord leads is, is not just a harsh leadership, but it actually is a love-filled, a heart-filled, in the same way that wife and husband love each other. And I love this promise that is in this verse about those days um, and the understanding of, of when those days are is, is the understanding of when Jesus is coming, when Jesus comes. And, his, and, and, and I, I like those verses where, where it says, actually, the Ark of the Covenant it, it, in a way, it will be, no one will think about it anymore because there is something new I'm creating. And I love the pictures that were brought to the front this morning because actually I had those similar verses or like the same part in mind for this morning because I want us to be aware of the promise that he's given us that there was something old and there is something new and the new is so incredible that when you live in the new, you actually forget about the old and have a real honor for what you live in. I think sometimes it is possible living in the new and being so used to that's the new way we've, we've always known it and we've always been doing it and we'll always be doing it that we actually forget to honor what was not so usual in the past and what is the new promise that he's given. I, I, I wonder when you look at the Old Testament, has anyone read the Old Testament? Okay, two or three, okay. <laughs> In the Old Testament, there is accounts of the Holy Spirit touching people. And, and for time reason, I don't even know why I prepare preachings anymore. But for time reason, I have to cut a little bit today. So I guess, believe me that those verses are there. You can look them up yourself if you want. But um, you, you find accounts of the Holy Spirit coming on people's lives. And, and the results of that are incredible. I'm, for example, thinking, thinking of the book of Exodus. When, when, the, um, when, when the Holy Spirit comes on craftsmen 
and their skill is increased. I think that's such a beautiful thing. I, I think it's, it's such a beautiful aspect of who God is that one of the accounts where he gives a spirit, it actually isn't a spiritual outcome in the sense. It's actually physical manual labor that's changed through his spirit being in and on them. And then there's other accounts where Moses gathers leaders and they start prophesying as the spirit of the Lord falls on them. And, and there, there is a relation made to those accounts of the Holy Spirit coming on people in the Old Testament that everyone wishes, I could have this encounter, I could have this relationship with the Holy Spirit. The difference in the Old Covenant was that the Holy Spirit wasn't freely given yet. He was just given over certain people in certain times for certain assignments. You read of Saul who gets around the prophets. And starts doing what? He starts prophesying. And, and I wonder what those prophetic sessions looked like. I know that our prophetic culture very often looks like I have a picture. I try to interpret and I share it. I think there's deeper levels to the prophetic. And I think in the Old Testament when it says Saul joined the prophets and they were prophesying together. Actually there was something, there was a powerful move of the Holy Spirit happening in this moment. Those um, accounts were so remarkable that they made it into the Bible. (laughs) It wasn't a one war. It wasn't a big victory that historically needed to be in there. There is a quality value of what it meant when the Holy Spirit came on people that people said, we really got to share that testimony because that day was incredible. And then in Joel... You read about a beautiful promise and it says, After this I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your old man will have dreams and your young man will see visions. I will, pour, I will even pour out my spirit on the male and the female slaves in those days. I will display wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood, fire, columns of smoke. The in Joel, you find this beautiful promise that, that, um, that, that summarizes a hunger that had been there in the times before of sporadically we've had encounters with His Spirit. And it was so beautiful. From generation to generation, we kept sharing those stories. Because whenever the Holy Spirit fell on people, it was such a remarkable time. And and this hunger that goes through generations and generations of, I'm longing for the day that this is not just available for one or two or three, but it is available for everyone. Do you carry that hunger still? I think, and, and like, don't misunderstand me, I'm not trying to point a finger here, but I want to say that sometimes it is possible to have received the Holy Spirit and forgot to honor this amazing gift that He's placed inside of you. This amazing person that lives inside of you. There have been years and years and years where people have been longing for what you carry on the inside. Generations over generations and over, and over, uh, over generations that were hungering to carry the Holy Spirit. Not just for an hour, not just for a certain task, not just a certain person, but everyone. And you get to live in this time and I feel, when I, when I was praying or preparing over this morning, I feel like one of the things God wants to do is He wants to restore the honor that you have for the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Because as you honor, the anointing flows freely. <laughs> and there's actually an honor we can develop with the person that is the Holy Spirit. Now, it would be very interesting to go into the question of what honor is. And 
I don't have time for that. <laughs> but I want to suggest that honor is not a weird thing. Honor is, is the expression of love. <laughs> a, a loving and, and, a, and a, um, a, um, um, uh, sorry, my English. I'm still in, in Spanish or German. <laughs> a realizing of the things that are in the person and honoring for who that person is, for what that person does. In the same way you can develop an honor for the Holy Spirit inside of you. Can we have a look at Romans? In Romans 8, 11, it says, And if the spirit of him who, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. It says the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Let's go to Romans 6, 4. I'm going to jump a little bit, but just stay with me for a second. It says, Therefore... We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. I, I think that the, the job of the Holy Spirit in your life is bringing the glory, bringing the glory of God. And, and I did a, a couple of years ago, I, I preached one Sunday, I think, and, and I kind of did a quick study beforehand what, what glory actually means. I don't know what your understanding of biblical glory is. Um, sometimes we have the picture of it's Christmas. Glory must look like Christmas, like there's uh, golden banners, or I don't know. Like, I don't know what your picture of glory is, but biblically, relate, in relation to glory, there is different accounts of what glory, how glory practically looks like. And the reference that comes the most for glory is actually signs and wonders. Whenever a healing happens, you've seen the glory of God. Whenever a body part is being restored and healed, you've just seen the glory of God. Let's jump at a different manifestation of His glory. In, in 1 Kings 8, 10 and 11, you can read, When the priests came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the Lord's temple, and because of the cloud, the priests were not able to continue ministering, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Have you been in those worship sets? Have you been in those prayer times where the glory falls? And you cannot do what you intended to do. You cannot preach what you wanted to preach. You can, can't even behave in the way you wanted to behave. His glory falls and you're just undone in His presence. I think His glory looks like signs and wonders. I think His glory looks like healing. I think His glory looks like the manifestations of His Spirit. There is something so beautiful when He comes into the room and ruins every human plan that we've ever made. Just so that He can be with you. Do you know how excited the Holy Spirit is to be with you? Do you know how excited He's waiting every Sunday morning to see, can I crush in today? Sometimes we have the feeling that we need to twist God's arm for Him to come. <laughs> and I think it was never our idea in the first place. It is biblically so clear that He intended that. I mean, He brought His own Son so that you can have that encounter. He died on the cross so that you can have that encounter. There is an aspect of God's heart that longs to encounter you in this way. In Exodus 33, you can read a conversation between Moses and God. And, and I love this. Moses says, please let me see your glory. And God answers, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I, have, I will have compassion. 
I love that Moses asks for glory and God's response is, I'll let all of my goodness pass in front of you. All of the blessing, all of the goodness that is inside of me, you're going to see it. It's going to pass right in front of you. Glory looks like the love of the Father. Glory looks like this unending love, this unending goodness of God passing right in front of you. I love this, the, those pictures that were brought to the front. I love the aspect of power and I love what happened on the cross when the veil tore from the top to the bottom. There was no priest coming with his scissors and, and trying to cut the, the curtain open. It wasn't that there was a theology change and so we're going to put up a new curtain. No, let's just put it down entirely. <laughs> it wasn't a remodel of a church building. It was God making a statement saying, my presence is accessible and you can come in whenever you want. My spirit is poured out. Access him. How do you access him? You access him through honor. By learning to love him. By learning to honor him. I, I would say I have a beautiful marriage with Abby. Would you agree? Yeah, we've got a beautiful marriage. I agree. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> and we still got to work on our marriage. I still got to learn the things that hurt Abby that I better don't do. I still got to learn the things she likes me to do so I can do them more. <laughs> we have a great marriage, but I'm still learning. You can ask Abby. I really have to learn. <laughs> I want to suggest the Holy Spirit was never a badge that you put on and you're just like, yeah, now he's in my life. Like, I'm a believer. I don't know what your understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. You might have different understandings. And, and I, I'm not trying to change that today. But what I'm trying to get to is it's not enough to just know that he lives inside of you. You want signs and wonders you want the manifestations of His glory as you worship. And you want to encounter His whole goodness. You want to encounter the love of the Father. What you're going to do is build relationship with the Holy Spirit. What you're going to do is learn to love the Holy Spirit. What you're going to do is learn to honor the one that lives inside of you. I'm reading a book at the moment on, 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 on the Holy Spirit, which absolutely fascinates me. Um, I'm trying to go the Darren way. I'm reading a book that's really deep. <laughs> Not just testimony. Like something that's like meat. <laughs> and it costs me double because I'm reading it in English. So every second phrase I look at Abby. What does that word mean? <laughs> she says, I don't know. I said, ha, oh, okay. And he, he just writes on, on, on the Holy Spirit. And he writes and he writes on the, the, the different accounts that we find in the book of Acts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know what's so beautiful in all of those accounts is every account is different. <laughs> and then church denominations take one of the accounts and say, that's my theology. You got to do it this way. <laughs> if there's no tongues afterwards, I don't think the baptism worked. <laughs> if you didn't lay on hands, I'm not sure. <laughs> Others say, you got to lay on hands. You don't have to lay on hands. And so there's all those different um, stands that people take on one of those accounts when there's actually many different accounts where God did it in such different ways, the way he pours out his spirit. Now, don't misunderstand me. I definitely believe we can learn and take things out of those, those different accounts. But what I'm trying to get to is God never tried to box it into one box of this is the one way it happens. He just likes doing it. I find it interesting that the author of Acts doesn't seem preoccupied with giving you the one way the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. <laughs> he doesn't seem preoccupied of giving one blueprint, but he seems really preoccupied with making sure you got the Holy Spirit. 
He seems really preoccupied with that because he gives several stories. And I'm sure there's even more stories and he could have just put one in. Like Acts 2 would have been enough. Anyone read Acts 2? <laughs> Amazing encounter. A couple of years ago we were ministering in Nepal. And a couple of friends of ours showed us pictures of a worship night. Like photos that they took that evening. Of fire in the room. Absolutely amazing. Happened just a couple of, we were ministering in the, in the streets in the meanwhile, I think. Absolutely amazing when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes. But I find it beautiful that he doesn't try to get one blueprint that you then copy every time you minister to someone. But he makes a statement of what really matters is if the Holy Spirit is there. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of people. In... <clears throat> In Acts 8, there's a really beautiful story. Again, I'm going to summarize it a little bit for time's sake. Have a read through at home, Acts 8. There's a beautiful story of, of um, the news being preached. And uh, there, there's one man practicing sorcery. And his name is Sim, Sim, Simon? 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 His name is Simon. <clears throat> and he works in signs and wonders. But in demonic signs and wonders, not in Holy Spirit kind, not to, to mix up, okay? He works in sorcery and witchcraft. Then the gospel is being preached, and he sees how um, the apostles lay hands on people, and the Holy Spirit comes on them. There's, it doesn't say that there was any signs and wonders. It doesn't say that it was healing what fascinated him. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, he watched it, and he said, Wow, that power I've never seen in my life. That power, I'm really missing. There is a power of the Holy Spirit that changes a person of how they were before. And the complete person is changed afterwards. We, we, we love going after encounters with the Holy Spirit at our church. And Abby shared a testimony. Is this live streamed? Alright. <clears throat> We've seen so many accounts of different people that when they met the Holy Spirit, their life completely was transformed. There might have either been anger issues. The moment the Holy Spirit hits, their family members even come to church and say, what did you do to that person? How did that happen? I remember another lady. She, she used to be really scared of me. Um, I hope you can't relate with that. <laughs> we would go out on evangelism. I'd say, hey, today don't go with Abby. Why don't we go out on evangelism? Maybe you can learn something from me too. And her eyes would like go double the size. She'd look at Abby, look at me, look at Abby, look at me. He's like, no. I said, okay, let's go downstairs and I'll ask again. So we go downstairs. I, I suggested again. And the fear is just growing in her eyes. And she's taking steps backwards. Said, no, 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 no. I'm not going with you. The Holy Spirit hit her one day. She didn't believe in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. This is the best ones when people don't believe it. And she goes down on the floor and starts shaking under the electricity, the power of the Holy Spirit for a really long time. And we tried to teach her how to hear the voice of God. And boy, I, <laughs> I mean, we've done prophetic exercises all over the world and they work always really good. And we could not teach her to hear the voice of God. I'm like, just sit down. And, and it's the same way as if you imagine, like, could you imagine a blue elephant? And she's like, that's where we already got stuck. She's saying, I couldn't even explain that pantaya, that, that screen of imagination that the Holy Spirit uses. I'm like, okay, sit down, ask the papa, ask the father what he says. Oh, nothing. <laughs> and she'd read her Bible and she'd be like, I don't understand a word. But she'd been in church her whole life. Like she's honestly hungry for Jesus. The moment the Holy Spirit hits her, 
The weeks after, she starts coming to us. And she says, I started reading my Bible. And, and <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I preach on Sunday. She'd come up afterwards. Listen what I learned this week in my Bible. <laughs> and she'd start sharing the revelation. And she'd start sharing the vision she has with Jesus. And every week in worship, she starts trembling again under the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's so beautiful. Since this day, she's not scared of me anymore. I want to suggest maybe I wasn't too scary in the first place. <laughs> I know for some people I can be, but not in that occasion. <laughs> I want to suggest there was actually just a heavy fear of man inside of her. And the moment the Holy Spirit hit, the demon had to leave. And she is so free. She is, like we really want to call her out into, into taking next steps of, of leadership and responsibility. Because everything was changed the moment the Holy Spirit hit her. Now, I didn't ask her this, but I would be pretty sure if we had asked her in advance, do you know the Holy Spirit, her answer would have been yes. We have a pre-programmed answer at church that we know the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, I'm a believer, so I have the Holy Spirit, done deal. <laughs> and I want to suggest there's further encounters, that if you just stay with the, yeah, yeah, I've got it and I've understood it all, you actually can't enter into. Because God will resist the proud. God loves a humble heart. And do you know what a humble heart looks like? It's like I, I, like, I know everything that I've experienced with God in the past, but a humble heart looks like getting on my knees again and saying, but I want more. I've had really great encounters with you, and I've seen great visions, but I'm hungry for more. And this humble heart will enable you to step into this next promise. It will teach you an honor and a love for the one that lives inside of you. Sorry, guys, I'm really running out of time. But how can you steward this friendship with the Holy Spirit? Can we get practical? Is it okay? So I just want to share five points on how you can steward this friendship with the Holy Spirit. If you get something to write, write it, but better remember. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> four points, I think. Ephesians 4.30 says, who knows? I know it in my own words, I don't, okay, here we go. And don't grieve the God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. It is possible for you to, to grieve <laughs> the Holy Spirit. It is possible for you to be a believer that wants to love Jesus and still grieve the Holy Spirit. That's where the humbleness starts, guys. <laughs> I, I have to be aware that even though I love Jesus, even though I work as a pastor, even for all of those spiritual things in my life, if I don't pay attention, I can grieve the Holy Spirit. And so we got to learn to not grieve the Holy Spirit. I want to say that the biggest danger around this Bible verse is a quietness of, I don't think this can happen to me. I don't think I can grieve the Holy Spirit because I love Jesus. <laughs> and I want to suggest it's actually a lot easier to grieve Him than you think. The Holy Spirit is quite sensitive. He's quite, I always mix up sensible and sensitive. He's quite sensitive to the way you behave. He's quite sensitive to the thoughts that run around your head. He's quite sensitive to everything that happens inside of you. And I'm not saying this to scare you, but I'm saying this to prepare you that if you want to learn to not grieve the Holy Spirit, you've got to become really aware of what's happening in your life, of everything you do, of everything you say, and the thoughts that run through your head. 
Because he wants to bring his purifying fire to create a space where he will never be grieved, where he doesn't lift off. This is a conflicting or confusing double truth that you find in the Bible. See, sometimes in the Bible you find a truth and a truth, and when we look with human eyes, they're like, that's left and right, that doesn't go together. But it just does go together. And the truth is that Jesus will not leave you alone. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit made home inside of you. But there is another truth. If you do not pay attention, he's grieved and he actually lifts off. And with human eyes, I look at this and I'm like, I don't know how he can be and lift off. (laughs) But biblically, I find both. I find the promise and I find the warning. And so I have trust that he's coming, that he's there. But I also want to learn to never grieve the Holy Spirit. Number one, learn to not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? You got to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. And I want to suggest this is not done by reading a book. This is actually done by having a friendship with him. When I started longing for more of the Holy Spirit, he'd start telling me really day-to-day things that are not spiritual. I have a funny example because I don't think it's a... See, when I get dressed in the morning, I really don't think twice about what I put on. I'm like, I see a t-shirt, I see a jumper, I'm like, okay, that's what I'm wearing today. (laughs) I'm I'm just a guy. (laughs) When I longed for the Holy Spirit, I had mornings standing in front of my wardrobe and I felt Holy Spirit say, put that t-shirt on today. Put this on today. (laughs) I'm like, all right, sir, if you say so, (laughs) I'll put it on. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe that I'm a marionette that's on the strings of the Holy Spirit. But I do think he wanted to teach me to become aware of when he speaks. And the funny thing is, he sometimes starts speaking in areas that aren't very church. (laughs) He actually just wants to win your heart. And for me, part of that learning session was like, okay, when he indicates something, i got to (laughs) follow. And I don't don't know if he really cares about my color of my t-shirt. But what he does care about is my surrender. (laughs) And so in those moments, I put on that (laughs) t-shirt. I hope it started looking better too, but I don't know that. Second part, first you don't want to grieve him, secondly you want to grow in obedience to him. I teach at church over and over and over again, like here's the problem with obedience guys, everyone knows that you should be obedient, right? Okay, but most people wait for the big call of God on their life to become obedient. (laughs) They're like, yeah, like I know that I have to be obedient and if God calls me to missions one day, I'll be obedient. Or if God calls me to start a certain company one day, then I'll be obedient. Of course, like we all want to be this. Let me teach you the secret that obedience actually starts before you ever heard of him. (laughs) Because people that don't have the readiness for obedience, God will never speak to. (laughs) And so if you didn't have a chance this week to be obedient to God, then it probably starts with the heart attitude of wanting to be obedient. I teach a, a, a church over and over again, obedience is like a muscle. And you just got to work it out day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Mari is really strong. You can ask her about workouts. You got to really stay diligent on working out over and over again. It doesn't work that you say, yes, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be sporty. And the one day that someone's going to invite me to climb Everest, I'll sign up. That's not how it works. It works like going for a walk in the Lake District every time, every week, over and over and over and over again. And training your leg muscles to get ready for Mount Everest. And people that will actually end up there are only ones that put in the training in the first place. And in the same way, obedience operates. You can't wait for that big call to appear in your life one day. you got to find today, how can I be obedient? And he might say, when you walk out the church, pick up the trash. Would you? 
Just pick up that coffee cup, throw it away, clean the city a little bit. <laughs> and you'd be like, that's not Holy Spirit speaking. It might be. I want to suggest that the muscle of obedience is practiced in the practical day to day. And what I encourage our church over and over again to do, because this is what I did for a season, and it really trained me in a, in a lot of ways. I'd wake up and I'd say, what can I do for you, Holy Spirit? How can I serve today? How can I be obedient today? Today, What would you like me today, today, to, to, to do today? Get up in the morning, ask him, give me an opportunity, God. How can I be obedient? And the ones that have trained their muscle of obedience, they will also see the calls of God on their life. And they'll also see the result of his spirit afterwards falling. Because as the call comes, he's providing with his spirit for it. Number three is attention. Abby gave the example of marriage the other day. And it's so easy for us to run in ministry 24-7 and to pray for people all day long and to preach together and do all of those things. And every said she does need a conversation, a personal conversation every now and then. And do you know what that needs on my end? Attention. Like, I can't work on my laptop and have a conversation with Abby. I've tried, doesn't work. Abby can do that, I can't. I can't multitask. And you want, don't want to multitask the Holy Spirit. You want to give him the attention, the full attention that he deserves. And I've learned the more personal time I give in prayer to the Holy Spirit in the morning, the easier it gets to follow him in day-to-day life. Why? Because I learned to put attention towards him. And the moment I turn towards him, he's already there. <laughs> the moment you put your attention towards him, he already has a word. He already wants to shine. He already wants to work. But the issue... Of, of honor and the issue that we sometimes lack of what God wants to do in our lives begins with how much attention are you giving to Him? I have a full job. We can easily work 70-hour weeks if I don't pay attention. And I still want to wake up every morning earlier just so I can give Him some attention because I know the rest of the day I'm going to be running. Number four, and I'm coming to an end, I'm sorry, is the question of affection. Where does your affection lie? Does your affection lie on your hobby? Does your affection lie more on your family? Or does your affection lie on the Holy Spirit? Have you ever learned to love and put your affection towards Him? There is something so beautiful. The moment you put your affection towards Him, He starts moving. Because that's the DNA of God. The moment you worship, He says, I'm living in there. That's my house. He's never talked about those four walls. He's talked about the worship you bring. The songs you sing and the heart of worship that we present to Him. The sacrifice that we bring. The worship when it costs us as we bring it. The moment you put your affection on Him, He starts moving. One of the really strong keys if you want to see the Holy Spirit move in mighty measures, I think, is praying in tongues. Because in praying in tongues, we exalt Jesus. And it is putting the attention of heart towards Him. The affection, I'm sorry. Putting your heart's affection towards Him. If you need Him to move then open with a moment of finding why you're so grateful that he's in your life. And the moment there's gratitude, the moment there's affection, he's attracted to that. And he starts moving right in that place. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.